Welcome to the A Better Way to Farm podcast, where we share serious secrets about profitable farming. We appreciate you taking the time to join us, and we hope that you'll love the knowledge we share not only with you today, but also in future episodes. So let's get right into it. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. We appreciate you stopping in and giving a listen. Today, we're going to talk about the shortages, the lack of availability, and the pricing structure of fertilizer. We have several of our friends who've been contacting us from different locations saying that, you know, 32 is getting really hard to get. They've already been told there is no more MAP or DAP, no 11520, no 18460. So the question becomes, what are we to do? And how is it that we're going to make this work in the long run? And so today, I just want to give you some things to think about to entertain the ideas that, that we've had here. I've gathered up some information from one of the land-grant schools, and I appreciate what they're doing. But I want you guys, to, first of all, to understand you don't need to go into a panic. I really want to stress that, you know, this is not the time to lose our head. This is not the time to become overreactive. This is the time to sit down and take a deep breath and look at all the alternatives. And oftentimes in life, those things which are our biggest challenges are also our biggest learning experiences. So you have the opportunity here perhaps to learn some things that will make you more profitable in the future. So maybe there is a silver lining in this storm cloud. One of the things that we have read that I probably would encourage you to think long and hard about is that there are people who are saying right now with costs what they are, we would encourage you to not use micronutrients. And I know that some of that comes from, you know, there's been studies done, data gathered up where we went out and someone applied four pounds of zinc sulfate. Well, applying, and then they came up with the conclusion that applying zinc doesn't work. Not necessarily true. If you base your micronutrient applications off of a good soil test and you use the right product and apply it in the right place at the right time, then you are going to get a response if you need it. I am absolutely in favor of not putting on a micronutrient that is not called for by the soil test. So I wanna make sure that we're focusing on the main things. And the main thing is in any fertility program is that we wanna make sure that we are eliminating the limiting factors. A lot of us have way more than adequate P and K levels way more than adequate. And I invite you to check back with the other podcast with Dr. Mulvaney on potassium. Give that another listen. It merits a second listen to. But when we know that we have these adequate levels, we got to talk about and say, okay, so what is it that we're going to do? Well, we do have to address the nitrogen and the sulfur because they're negatively charged. They run away every year. And might I add, boron is exactly the same. It also is negatively charged. It also runs away every year. And I would dare say that a lot of you are suffering from a lack of boron. We would love to talk to you about that at some point in time. Today, though, I want to work predominantly on what is it that we're going to do because we cannot get our hands on any phosphorus. And one of the things that was in this article that I read was it said that recent research has shown that applying as low as 40% of the crop removal rate of P and K has been able to keep the soil test near optimal levels while not reducing the crop yield in the short term. I want to restate that. What they said was, the research says that if you put on as little as 40% of the crop removal rates for P and K, you can keep your soil test levels at optimal levels and you will not reduce your crop yield in the short term. So let's talk about that for a minute. We're growing 200 bushel corn. The removal rate for K is a quarter of a pound per bushel. 
So we're taking 50 pounds of K out the gate. So now all of a sudden, what are they saying? 40% of that 50 pounds would be 20 pounds. So we only have to be putting back 20 pounds. And so that's something to consider and something to seriously think about is some of this data that's coming out, some of the things that are being talked about. And I would encourage you that this is things that we have known for a long time and that we've talked about. A lot of this goes clear back to Dr. Albrecht's work in, at MU many years ago. But a little silver lining here, maybe we don't have to put on as much as we thought we were going to. And the universities are saying, and you're still going to keep your soil test levels up and you're still going to be able to get the optimal yield. This is a good year to take some credit for that. One of the things that was in this article that I did find interesting, guys, I'm going to talk about nitrogen here just for a little bit. And one of the things that was in here, they asked the question, if you applied MAPRDAP in the fall, will you still have nitrogen in the spring? And they said there's no simple answer to that. However, those products were applied in the fall. It is much more likely that the ammonium has already converted to nitrate and therefore may be lost before the crop can uptake it in the spring. So if we lose our ammonium in on the 1846-0 or the 1140-52-0 and we can give it no credit, my thing I want you to think about today is what's happening to our fall applied anhydrous. Just a little food for thought. Roll that around. So we know that we're having a hard time getting phosphorus. We know that it's pretty significantly increasing in price on a regular basis. Maybe you can't get any of it at all and you're saying, what am I going to do? Well, my good friend Trent, what he's going to do was he went out and they pulled a whole bunch of soil tests today. They tested every acre that they had. We did some block sampling, if you will, and we'll talk about that another day. And he's going to take a look at what will happen when he uses our system. And so when we start talking about what does our system look like, it looks like we have to do a soil test. If we pull that soil test and we look at those levels, and there are times when we need additional phosphorus, when we need additional potassium, and we're going to be the first ones to tell you that. But there are a lot of times that we can do fine with just a row-placed starter. Now, let me say this. I don't believe that we can get by with just any row-placed starter. Ladies and gentlemen, I firmly believe that not all seed is created equal. I believe that not all tractors are created equal. I believe that not all planters are created equal. And likewise, not all fertilizers are created equal. There are products that we put out there that we absolutely know we do not get much back from. We know that a lot of products have arsenic or they have cadmium or they have some other contaminant in them, which actually will delay the corn emergence. We know that a lot of these products are in a form that is not usable to the corn plant and they do not become usable until the soil temperature gets exceedingly high. One of the tests that we looked at, one of the studies that we've reviewed, talked about the fact that if we have a polyphosphate out there that you'll get back somewhere between 36 and 90% of that polyphosphate when your soil temperature gets up to 125 degrees. I'm going to hope that you never experience a soil temperature of 125 degrees. Just so what are we looking at? We're looking at a product that's 100% orthophosphate. We're going to put it right in the seed trench, and it's going to be completely and totally available to that plant the minute that we get germination. It's not going to rely on the soil temperatures warming up, because I dare say that a lot of you are probably going to go ahead and plant as soon as the weather conditions are fit not necessarily concerned about whether or not we have a 55 degree soil temperature. And I'm good with that. I know that the earlier corn typically does better. I respect what you're doing, 
but I also respect that one of the keys to a good yield is to get plenty of phosphorus and plenty of potassium into that plant early. Therefore, we tend to gravitate towards a 318.18 or a 215.19.3 and putting that higher phosphorus, higher potassium number right in the seed trench. Guys, I want to share with you that you can take a deep breath and you can really relax because this isn't something that's new. This isn't something that's not been tried. This isn't something that has not been proven. We have multiple growers who've been with us 20, 25 years that can attest to what happens when they do this system and the kind of yield responses that they can get. But they've also been doing this for 20 years or 25 years while simultaneously never pulling a dry spreader cart. Now, do we want to monitor with soil tests? Do we want to be responsible? Absolutely. Do we want to let those soil test levels drop any? No chance, no way. Why? Because first and foremost, we know that yield is king. And the yields that we're getting today will not be sufficient in 10 years. And we cannot get bigger yields 10 years from now unless we continue to raise those soil tests. They don't have to raise dramatically. They don't have to take off like a rocket ship. But we just want to see them creeping up each year if we're in the medium or just in the high range. We want to keep working on building that, not on it coming back down. So guys, I realize that these are uncharted waters. I know that there is a lot of uncertainty and a lot of nervousness out there, and I can appreciate that. But I also know that if you're willing to look around and find someone who has done this before, there are great things here for you. What if you do it this way this year and you figure out a new and better way to do things? What if what we're talking about here works really, really well, and all of a sudden you figure out how to cut your input cost while simultaneously raising your yields, then perhaps that would be something that we could consider. Guys, we appreciate you tuning in on the podcast. It's always an honor to have you listen. I appreciate each and every one of you. I want to ask you a couple of favors. If you like what we do, share it with a friend. We would really appreciate that. We would also ask that if it would work for you, that you could give us a rating because that improves our opportunity to reach more people and help more people. And that is our goal is that we want to continue to help the American farmer to do better, to be better, and get better. With that being said, guys, I hope all of you are really having a better day. Thank you for joining us this week on the A Better Way to Farm podcast. If you found value in this episode, we would appreciate you rating us on iTunes or simply sharing with a friend. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and tune in next time for serious secrets about profitable farming.